Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coffee and Beer Show. Appreciate you picking us up on the airwaves again and listening to the podcast. We are just ahead of Christmas. The doctor is in the house. Doctor, you are, I trust, at this point on holiday break from university. I am not. I'm not going to be on break until the day this airs, December 22nd. We still have to close down the semester and, you know, file paperwork and begin preparing for next semester. So it's 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 not the the luxurious life that people think of where, you know, you have a ton of downtime every year. I thought, well, when I get this job, I'm going to have more downtime than when I was working in the hospital. And I don't think it's there, but still enjoy it. But you're at least not teaching right now. You're not instructing. Right. I am not teaching. And as you well know, um, we're going to we're going to start looking at getting some steel in the ground here this weekend. So I'm excited. Good. Yep. We're going to talk about that. Our guest today is going to be Kathleen Saviano. And she is uh, this is a, this is a, going to be a cool show because we're going to hear a hunting story, which we all love hunting stories, or at least we should. And she is going to tell us a hunting story about her first deer, which she was able to get on a recent field to fork event that we hosted that the National Deer Association hosted in Missouri. And it was such a great experience for her. And she's such a good communicator. It's what she does in her job. And I asked her if she'd be willing to come onto the show and be a guest. So it is uh, going to be really cool to hear the hunting story through the eyes of a a new hunter. So looking forward to that. Um, our sponsor today is Redneck Blinds. And so we rotate our sponsors around, but this is perfect timing because I just had the opportunity to sit in some Redneck Blinds over the weekend in Missouri ahead of the field to fork hunt. Uh, my colleague, Matt Ross, and I got to go out a little bit early and do some doe hunting. And our board chairman, Rick Dahl, was one of the uh, one of the hosts, and he took us out on uh, one of his places, actually a couple of his places, and uh, we got a chance to do some hunting in these redneck blinds, and I, I tell you, they're first class all the way. I got to sit in the hard-sided blinds, so the, the, I guess I'll call those the fancier models, but I was equally impressed with the soft-sided blinds. Uh, they come with a really solid frame, and you can put the, uh, it's really a heavy-duty cover that goes on them. Uh, you can you can put that over the frame, and when the season's over, you can leave the frame in the stand and take that in with you, and it's going to last you a number of years, but very solid construction, top quality, uh, first class all the way, and they've been a long-term, long-time sponsor or supporter of the National Deer Association, so Redneck Blinds. If you're in the market for a blind, check them out. Also, another reminder before we get to the interview, as I said, we're just a couple of days before Christmas, and I have no doubt that some of you listening still have some work to do on your shopping list. And one of the things that you can get for them is a membership to the National Deer Association, because you know what? Uh, it's it's going to get there as soon as you say you're buying it. So it doesn't have to, you don't have to wait for it to get there. You don't have to wrap it. And we're still running the promo. Use the, use the promo code co uh, podcast when you check out and you'll save five bucks on that. So it makes a nice gift. And they also, they'll get their four issues of quality whitetails magazine, which keeps giving throughout the year. So if you haven't finished up your shopping list yet, that might be an idea for you. We also, we have some merchandise you might want to check out also on our website, but I'll tell you, you're not going to get that before Christmas at this point. So 
uh, ask NDA anything. We'll, we'll do those next show. We're trying to split those up uh, between every other show. Uh, we did have a couple come in already and we'll hold on to those. But if you, if you have an ask NDA anything question, hunting related, organization related, or completely off the wall, and you just want to make us laugh, please send those in to nick at deerassociation.com and we will read them uh, on the next show. All right, let's jump right into it because this is a good story. I'm looking forward to hearing Kathleen tell it. And I'm going to give her plenty of time to take us through all the thoughts uh, that she went through and the emotions of taking her first deer. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Kathleen Saviano. I want to welcome into the Coffee and Deer Show, Kathleen Saviano. She is the conservation uh, conservation educator with the Missouri Department of Conservation and a very, very recent participant in a Field to Fork event that we held in central Missouri. So Kathleen, it's great to see you. Thank you for, thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to do, to do this. Well, the nice thing is, as a conservation educator, you're no stranger to, to talking to large audiences. Now, of course, you're only talking to me and the doctor right now. But uh, th there are millions of people, uh, maybe not millions, maybe a few hundred thousand <laughs> that are going to hear this interview. So uh, <laughs> you just made my nerves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But thank you for being on. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Um, sure. So I live in uh, just outside of Kansas City, Missouri. So the western side of Missouri and um, have been here about 18 years. I've worked for the Missouri Department of Conservation for about 15 of those years, uh, mainly as a naturalist um, in nature centers. So helping people have positive outdoor experiences or coming to understand what's happening around their homes or out in the fields or where they hike. Um, and so I did that for the majority of my time. And about a year ago, I um, applied for and was moved into the role of conservation educator. And so still helping Missouri citizens have these positive outdoor experiences, but they're more toward, geared towards your outdoor skills. So um, it would include our hunter education program, our national archery in the school program. I work with teachers and making them comfortable getting outside in nature so that there's that trickle down effect if kids aren't our urban kids aren't getting that um, in the home or in their yards, then teachers were helping them use their schoolyard and then facilitating field trips for a more immersive experience. Um, and all kinds of outdoor skills, Dutch oven cooking, backpacking, which is my favorite, paddle sports. So um, yeah, just getting outside. That's what it's about. You have a, you have a very important job and I don't want to get too off track here, but I'm, I'm curious. Um, I, I'm always curious about just people's general lack of knowledge about outdoors types things. Mm -hmm. And I think that we haven't done a good job. We're, we're coming to you from a, a deer slash hunting slash conservation organization, not just us, but a lot of groups in our space haven't done the best job, I think just about general education. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just your experience with that, are you, are you sometimes astonished at just the lack of awareness of what's going on in the outdoors world? It, truly, you know, and 
I live, I, I live and work in a urban suburban and the outskirts of my area become a little rural. So I, I do have an audience that may not have access like a lot of folks in my state um, to the outdoors, but you know, I've, the fears that um, have to be mitigated to even like take steps during a program um, are, you know, always being addressed. And it could be as simple as like ticks. I've been um, with people who are, they'll freeze in their tracks. If I go, okay, at the end of our program, we are gonna make sure we're doing a field, uh, a, t- a tick check um, and eyes wide, like, what do you mean? I'm like, so do you, does mosquito stop you from going outside? No, tick should not either. So, um, but what it also affords me is the, um, the seeing them see things for the first time. And knowing that um, not everything has to be these big wow moments, it could be as simple as pointing out a cardinal and what that animal is doing or, you know what I mean? Something that seems really basic for an outdoor person isn't for a person who doesn't have outdoor um, experiences. So um, it's, it's a challenge, but it's very gratifying to have take people through the spectrum of comfort on being outside and then having successful stories, um, whatever it is we're doing. So. Well, I think you've set the stage for this entire conversation because we're (laughs) going to be talking about first time outdoor experiences. And so, and specifically, we're going to talk about your personal experience on your first deer hunt through our field to fork program. And so to kick that off, let's go back to the very beginning. You first Mm -hmm. heard about this opportunity. Where did the interest come from? Well, as, as I've been telling my friends and family, um, since I've gotten back from the weekend and they're like, why now? Like what happened? And I, and I'm like, my journey has been long. Um, the thing that sold me uh, when I was approached and said, there was an opportunity, would you be interested? And I said, tell me about it. And the person gave me the description of the, um, the hunting um, weekend. It was so holistic that it was exactly what I needed. I have always, um, had a fear of um, injuring or maiming an animal and never finding it. That was extremely important to me. So, um, and then the second part was, what do I do after I have a deer? Those two pieces have been kind of the stumbling blocks for myself. And so when I had heard about the field to fork program and how holistic it was from you know, starting off with time at the range, all the educational pieces, the biology, the natural history, um, also the supportive team of being together for a period of time, um, the mentoring, the one-on-one, like someone literally talking in my ear, 
as I'm observing the deer coming out of the timber um, to the field dressing to what's next and the processing. So that was um, what I knew I could confidently take a step and, and participate completely. So did you grow up in a hunting family and had, you didn't have any experience with any of that prior to this? So, no. Um, so I'm, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, city kid, you know, postage stamp um, yard. But what I was afforded is my mother um, grew up on a farm. So she was a farm girl. So our entire backyard <laughs> was agricultural, <laughs> like you know, a little 50 by 40 foot <laughs> garden had corn and beans and peppers and everything else and all her favorite flowers. And so I I had a lot of outdoor time. Um, and then my father grew up uh, in uh, the hills of uh, Pennsylvania. So in the summer, we always make our trip out to visit grandma. And so uh, I remember doing air rifles there. Um, and then the trips to my mother's uh, parents' farm and spending time on the farm. Uh, so I, I recall my dad, my father had a shotgun. I remember him cleaning it. Um, but I was never asked to go. I never saw deer or what he would hunt. Um, so it's, I had outdoor experiences and, but it, nothing that connected me to the hunting tradition of a family. It's amazing how many times we hear from women who begin hunting that say no one ever asked me. And that's really tragic. Uh, yes. Like you, I Mike, agree. Yeah. I mean, where Mike and I are from, it, it's not uncommon at all uh, for women to hunt. It's, it's a matter of fact, I just saw in our local newspaper this morning, they posted the pictures of all the people that submitted photos of the deer they shot and you know, darn near half of them are women, but that's not the case everywhere. And it's something I've certainly learned in my travels. And so to hear you say that does not surprise me. And it's, it's disappointing because you, you maybe could have started this journey a lot at a lot younger age. You're right. So take us through the experience. Okay. You've agreed to do this and you, uh, every step of the way, you're probably asking yourself, what did I get myself into, <laughs> uh, loading up your hunting gear, your camo, your rifle. And so just sort of take us through, uh, the experience. And I want to know, uh, as you're going through that, was it something you expected and maybe what surprised you about it, what you didn't expect? Um, yeah, I didn't have a lot of surprises. Again, the journey's been long. I've put a lot of thought into it. I, I will say because of my current position, I was making um, efforts to become experienced in um, being around hunting. So because I work for the Department of Conservation, we do do managed hunts or mentored hunts. And I uh, for the past couple of years have been asking to shadow or sit in the blind with mentor mentees. Um, I didn't have the confidence in shooting. Again, that was one of the things that you guys were offering as part of this weekend of, of hunting, um, that it would be time on the range. I don't have a firearm. My husband doesn't own a firearm. Um, we were both military we both had to uh, handle weapons uh, in the military, but uh, that was a long time ago. 
And back then I was never a good shot. I was told I wasn't a good shot. So I wasn't a good shot. And so again, that fear of hurting, injuring, maiming, and never finding, um, sat very close, uh, consciously for me. Uh, so when the first thing that happened was because I've been going on these mentored hunts, um, one of the mentors that I have sat with, he offered his firearm and he said, I will take you to the, I'm like, that's really nice of you, but I don't want to show up with a a rifle. I've never, you know, shot before. And he goes, no, 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 I'm going to take you. And we are going to make sure you're comfortable and that you understand this firearm. So even that additional time was very helpful. Um, and so when on Friday, when, when I showed up for day one, I had a firearm that I was semi familiar with. I had the opportunity to shoot it once at a couple different ranges, um, 50 and 75 yards. Um, but that day, Friday afternoon, you meet your mentor, you spend a little time just chatting, uh, getting to know one another, and then it's off to the range. And there again, uh, a lot of one-on-one time. I felt like I wasn't rushed, um, that if I had been given a firearm that I had never held before, I think that Matt, my mentor, would have walked me through those that extra time I had prior to arriving. Uh, we, we talked through safety. We talked through, um, we first shot at 25 yards. We did a, a couple shots at that and checked accuracy and things of that nature. Felt really good about that. Um, I was really curious. I wanted, I knew that um, at the range, we were sitting on benches with tables and I don't think that's typical. So I had asked if I could shoot from what would be more um, available in a blind. So a camp chair, essentially. So we pulled out my camp chair because you do sit lower and um, used a, a, a firing stick, I believe it's called. And uh, spent some time then shooting at the 25, making sure accuracy was good. And then he challenged me to try the 100 yard, <laughs> which I did not think I would hit. And I hit it every time. So, <laughs> um, so I learned I was a good shot <laughs> on day one. <laughs> well, Kathleen, I'm going to jump in here just for a second because I do want to point out a couple things. And uh, thank you for being so open with with your insight here, but, and, but I want to back people up even back to where your military career started and say, at least from an education standpoint, cause I'm an educator now, even though I still refer to myself as a therapist, but words are very powerful, both positive words and negative words. And to be told that you are not a good shot, but to not provide you the tools to improve your skill I think that is in, for, from my perspective, what I want everyone out there paying attention to is that if this is something you're interested in, whether it be someone that uh, you want to mentor somebody or you don't hunt and you want to become a hunter, is that kind of listen to Kathleen's story. What I'm telling is from a, from a neutral perspective here, because I wasn't there, I'm just listening to her tell her story. And a lot of things just kind of really ring to me very, very loudly. And that is that 
your encouragement should be just that. It shouldn't be negative words. It should be positive words. It should also be continually asking them questions. As Kathleen said, you know, we just naturally think, okay, we're out here to zero the gun. So we want to put the gun on the bench. We want to actually check our zero. She wanted to simulate the situation as close to it as it could be to her hunting situation. So she felt comfortable and prepared. So those are things that I want you to listen to in her story that, that I'm very appreciative that she's actually sharing and uh, don't want to interrupt you and break your stride because you're doing a great job. And I just wanted to point those things out. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course, you know, again, good point. I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, I, I did. I wanted to make sure that when the moment arrived, in the deer stand, it was feeling very similar. Um, I didn't want anything to feel foreign. You know, I was trying to mitigate all of that. So, and you know, Matt, the entire time to your point, um, and the same with uh, the mentor that allowed me to borrow uh, his rifle, um, just really positive um, remarks. And even if it was a correction, it was still, you know, a positive way, um, to correct. Um, so, uh, I did appreciate that. And so, yeah, and I also appreciate, Oh, oh, go ahead, Nick. No, sorry. I was going to point out, uh, we've said Matt a couple of times. I just wanted to say that Kathleen's mentor was Matt Ross from NDA. And so she drew, uh, an excellent mentor who's, who's done this a bunch of times. I think that worked out well. So uh, back to you, Mike, I'm sorry. Well, no, I just, again, I want to point out one more thing is that, and you hear in Kathleen's story is that how much emphasis she was putting on her preparedness. You know, she, she said she did have a fear or at least some apprehension of, of actually not being efficient or effective with her appropriate chosen tool and how much that means to people. I mean, that first step, she had a lot of respect for the game that she was pursuing and wanted to make sure that she was doing her due diligence. So uh, again, these are all things that when you are training up, whether it be a young person, a a first time hunter that might be um, older than the usual, you know, young, you know, tens to teens, things like that. But uh, just make sure you're approaching it from the right way. When, when we're out there bringing out and introducing people, I mean, to us, we kind of take certain things for granted because we've done it for a long time. You know, it's kind of back to, you know, my story as being a naturalist for urban folks. You know, I take for granted the cardinal, the red bird who chirps really loud and um, draws attention to himself. Um, But to the unknowing eye or lack of experience, that is a moment that I, you know, that needs, or that can, you know, have some weight behind it. So, uh, to your point, Mike, so. Well, speaking of moments that have some weight to them, your initial thoughts, when you're in the blind, you're all set up and now here come deer entering the field. And you've been obviously had, I'm sure been thinking about this moment, but now it's actually happened The deer in front of you. What's going through your mind? You know, if we could just back up one more, because right before that moment, so we got to the blind about two o'clock. So we spent the morning kind of covering the biology, natural history, shop placement, building some team camaraderie, getting to know one another. Um, We got out that blind about two o'clock and my mentor, he covered things 
that I really appreciate. And I literally came home and I wrote them down. Um, so from the moment we entered the blind, he wanted to know wind. So he had this little baggie of milkweed fluff seed and he pulled out a couple of the little fluffies and dropped it, you know, just let it go in the air. And we followed it a hundred yards out. It was very visual. I could see it the entire time. And he's like, all right, we know the deer will be able to smell us if they're in that spot. And then we sat and we checked our angles and looked at um, where does my chair, how do I have to be sitting to be able to have a comfortable shot? And what, what areas are we not going to use because of the way the sun was coming in on the one side? Um, some other things he covered, I, I brought up the firearm. Oh, we checked range. We checked, he knew I was comfortable at a hundred. So I had made the decision that a hundred yards was going to be kind of my, my, my shooting zone. And so we spent time with a range finder looking out each of the windows and saying, okay, a hundred yards is that cedar tree. A hundred yard, yards is that dip in the, the ground and figuring out what my range would be. Um, we did sit in the chair in different positions, holding the firearm and making sure I was comfortable and it looked right. And then the deer show up. <laughs> so um, when that first fawn popped her head up out of the, the timber there, she was, I know this because we, we did spend a lot of time with the range finder. Like I said, she was at 185 yards straight out 12 o'clock. And, um, she very gingerly with, you know, what I would call, um, maybe some curiosity or apprehension kind of slowly made her way into the clearing. There was a clearing in front of her. It was mowed corn and she then stopped and nibbled a bit. And after she was out for a few moments, two more showed up in this exact same spot. And um, they paused and watched her and kind of was really alert. And then they stepped out. Um, and one of those were a doe and then, and then a fawn and then another doe. We had four originally pop in, out into the clearing. But again, they were at a distance, which I really appreciated. Um, again, kind of wants and needs on my checklist. I had heard people say, I got my blind and five minutes later I had my deer. I didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted time to observe. I wanted time to be with them and, and be, you know, the fly in the wall type thing and just kind of take in their, their actions, their, reactions to one another, their habits. And my mentor being who he was, he was pointing out things, kind of talking about their size, possible size. Um, they were heading toward a slow manner. Um, we were really focused on the first four. And while we were watching those first four, four more came out of the timber, same location. Um, they were following a row of standing corn um, and kind of nibbling and, and feeding and just kind of taking their time. Um, 
my mentor had me bring the firearm up as soon as that first fawn um, came into view. And, and after we had the four, he's like, I want you to start looking through your scope, you know, just kind of get them in your scope and, and watch them and then look through your scope. And again, they were making this slow move towards us. And it was probably, oh, I don't know, about 4.30 by then, uh, 4.20. And um, they were moving towards us, but then they were starting to turn. And they weren't turning at my 100-yard mark that we had kind of preset up. So um, the, the second uh, deer was the doe, she, and he was saying that she was good size. And she started to walk um, perpendicular to us. And so she had presented herself broadside. She was quartering away, broadside quartering away as she just kind of meandered and was eating and stepping. And then she paused and he's like, look at her through the scope. And she stood there probably for between five and 10 seconds. And, and so I'm trying to practice my breathing. Again, something else that was discussed. Um, I didn't feel a lot of nerves at that point. I was looking at her through the scope and he's like, are you comfortable? Are you steady? If you are, you can squeeze the trigger. It's up to you. We have lots of light. And I was about to squeeze and she flicked her tail. And as she flicked her tail, Matt goes, she's about to, and she took a step. (laughs) And then my nerves kicked in. (laughs) (laughs) Because in my head, I messed it up. I missed it. I didn't... (laughs) I had lost the opportunity. Um, It was, it was, it was funny how I felt like it was a, a, you know, like a switch flipped in my body because I could hear my heart in my ears and I could feel my, a little shake in my arms. And um, he was like, you're good. You're good. We have lots of time, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he was trying to settle me down. Well, you, those nerves are something that no matter how long you've been hunting, you still experience them and you experience them in different ways. And in your case, your mind went to, "Uh Oh, I missed my opportunity. Whereas more experienced hunter, like your mentor, he knows that those deer just out feeding and it's just a matter of time until you're presented with a new opportunity. And so, uh, it's just the interesting, the, the different perspectives from people who have have been there and and people who haven't. So take it from there. Now you're looking for another opportunity. Well, and that, and that's exactly. So Matt was saying all those things, you know, we still have lots of light. We're still good. They're feeding. Um, and so there was the, a, a second Joe that was in that first uh, group before. And, um, she came, she came, um, she was also feeding on the standing corn, which brought her closer to us. And she turned at a very similar place as the doe. Um, there was a fawn that had come down a little bit closer, but she really stayed to, to the edge uh, and didn't walk across. And so that second doe started to make her way across again, kind of quartering away for the most part, but then suddenly it was broadside. And at that moment, I, as nervous as I was, I, um, kind of got myself together and I was looking through the scope. I had her, I finally stopped bouncing around 
And he's like, whenever you're ready, you can squeeze. And I think like he was saying that, and I squeezed the trigger. So, um, and she kind of jumped and then dropped, which I was extremely thankful for. Um, and he's like, you did it. And I'm like, I can't believe I did it. I did do it. I did that. <laughs> and so we kind of jumped up around <laughs> inside the blind. <laughs> I made way too much noise. Um, but so, like I said, there were about eight deer out there at that point. And some of them ran into the timber, but actually two of the ones that were kind of closer up ran towards us and paused just under, you know, pretty close with 30 yards off of our blind, 30, 40 yards and started grazing again but a little more annoyed. There was some snorting and some stomping and um, they were trying to figure things out. Um, and the rest kind of just pushed back into, uh, into the corn and into the timber. So we couldn't see anyone else, any of the other ones. So man um, had suggested, you know, well, he had said, we're going to take this at your pace. You know, we can sit here, we can do whatever you want. And I said, no, we're going to lose light. Let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we packed up and made our way down to her and those, those two that were near us, they ran off when we came out and, and we just kind of slowly kind of enjoying that moment, just walking across and, um, feeling relieved that she did drop and, you know, Matt's telling me that was a great shot. That was a great shot. So I hit her high and. Uh, through the top of the scapula, double lung. And so it was, uh, it was a good, it made me feel good. <laughs> and that was a huge part of what you were concerned about. So yeah, I can yes. imagine, and we all are concerned about that. At least we should be as hunters. And so uh, it's been really neat to hear you say it, uh, talk about it that way, and then to have such a great result. And uh, it's also interesting, you didn't have any hesitation on pulling the trigger. It sounds like you really just got focused at the task at hand and your, and your training that you had and really just executed a great shot. Yeah, I was very thankful for all the kind of pre-training, uh, you know, the range time and working through the different scenarios. Um, I definitely felt prepared and there to do the job. So... Well, as it turned out, I wasn't that far from you and Matt, and I heard the shot ring out, and I knew it was coming from your blind, and so that worked out really well because then I was able to come over with the video camera and film uh, these next moments, which we appreciated you letting us do uh, because they're very personal. And so uh, tell us about, you, you come up to that moment and you actually are now you're close to the deer. You realize the gravity of what you've done is starting to hit you and just touching that deer for the first time, just that whole, take us through those feelings. That was very emotional. Like I feel myself getting emotional right now <laughs> as we talk about it. Um, you know, I, I, I thanked her. I thought she was beautiful. She was absolutely beautiful. Um, I thanked her for the opportunity and what she would give me and my family. And, um, it, you know, you, you never get to be that close as much as I've given hikes in nature and backpack, you know, you see deer and they see you and they're gone. <laughs> so 
that was um, a really special moment. And uh, I just wanted to pause and uh, be respectful and um, just take it and be very present. Well, it didn't take you long and then you were into the field dressing part of it. And it seemed like <laughs> as, as I was watching you as an observer and trying my best to capture all the all this, you really just sort of switched into um, an inquisitive mode. You, you're the type of person that I've, I've realized you, you like to ask a lot of questions. You like to be really prepared. And so you and Matt went through a process of field dressing the deer and you weren't just an observer. You got right in there and got to work. Yep. So my, one of my other goals was to learn how to do this so I could do it right and do it well. And, um, I did, I asked if I could wear the gloves and if I could manage the knife, you know, minus a couple times where he showed me how to pull up on skin and all of that. Um, yeah, no, I had no nerves at that. That to me was interesting and, um, just very, um, I don't know. You know, I like to think that, you know, I love science and I have environmental science degrees. So I have lots of biology. Like I just thought all of that was interesting. And, um, and I was just excited to like get my hands in, you know, cause I've watched some YouTubes and I've watched, you know, like deer processing, field dressing a deer it until you are your hands are touching the warm body of that deer. Like I, I was able to do it. I didn't think I would be able to do it and I feel dressed it. So I was very, very um, pleased with uh, Matt allowing me <laughs> to <laughs> kind of take the reins and him just talking through, okay, do this. Okay. Do that. Okay. Do this. Look for this, look for that feel for this. And so he was great at uh, stepping me through that. And not only did you field dress it, the two of you stood out in the processing area. And by the time you were done, you had everything down into cuts. It was processed. It was in yep. big Ziploc bags. And so you were packing coolers out. We sure did. We sure did. So we, um, someone else removed the hide. We didn't remove the hide. Um, there was the, the, um, the owner of the, um, the deer camp clay. I, uh, I can't remember his first Andy, name. Andy clay at C7 outfitters. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, he was like going to teach his son. So him and his son kind of, he was showing his son how to cut and where, how to do like to take the hide off. So I, we observed that. And then Matt, Matt, at first I thought we were just going to quarter it, quarter it and grab the tenderloin and the back straps and, call it good. And Matt's like, I don't know if all that will fit, you know, hole in your cooler. So he's like, let's debone it. I was like, okay. So we did, we removed the front quarters and we bagged those because there was some, um, injury from, from the, um, bullet wound. And so, um, he's like, those, you need to work on a little more. And then we debone the hind legs, um, after we had gotten done removing the uh, back strap and the uh, tenderloins. So. And have you eaten any, eaten any of the deer yet? Nope. I actually <laughs> yesterday. Um, so when I got home Sunday, um, cause we met up Sunday and they had a processing class for like everyone um, 
to kind of just kind of walk through what actually Matt had shown me that evening. Um, when I got home Sunday night, I spent four hours in my kitchen removing all the fat and silver um, and just going piece by piece. And then um, we do have a vacuum pack um, machine to kind of, so we did that. I broke the tenderloin and the back strap into kind of servings for um, my family and packaged that up and then just cleaned everything up. And yesterday we took the rest to the processor. I'm keeping a couple of the, the roast and um, we're doing a combination of ground and some sausage and some sticks and <laughs> it's a little of everything. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're, you're already, for someone that just shot their first deer, you're all in on all the things that, <laughs> that we all talk about all the time with sticks and sausage and all the great things you can make out of deer. Yes. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of it. Uh, some, I know Mike, he really enjoys uh, butchering and preparing all of his own stuff. I'm a little bit lazier. I do it sometimes, sometimes not. Um, but I'm glad that you've, you've gotten that immersed in it. And so I have to ask you, you've done it once. You seem to really enjoy it. What are your future hunting plans? Do, do we have a, a hunter on our hands here or someone that just tried it once? Uh, no, I, I am very interested. I think I would love to take a doe every year. Um, I'm, you know, I don't need the big buck, at least not this where I'm standing right now. <laughs> um, because to me, I love the idea of, you know, I try to eat a lot of organic food. And so I love that part of, of taking your own deer is how it's organic. And, you know, you kind of see it actually dropping it off. The processor was really kind of hard. I asked my husband if we could do a grinder and he's like, no, <laughs> he's not there yet. I, I still have some persuading. <laughs> yep. So, uh, um, but I think I'll get him there. And actually um, in my head, since, you know, my weekend came to a close and um, it's how, how do I make this happen for myself? Uh, what I do know is I don't want to hunt by myself as much as I backpack and go out for three days by myself and camp, I, I don't want to hunt by myself. Um, so I've asked my husband if he would just come sit with me. <laughs> um, and he's not sure yet. <laughs> he's like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. So, um, and I've asked my boys, I have two sons. And so I'm really my younger one, um, seems more interested. So if we can find it, uh, in our schedule to do that together, I would love to take him with me. So sharing that with him. Um, so, or yeah, I just find another girlfriend and eventually my ultimate goal is to be a mentor in my professional sense. So as much as I have a personal side to all of this, I do have the professional side. Um, and I, want to make sure that I can be the best mentor that I can be. And, you know, if that is shadowing people in a blind or sitting in my own blind so I can gain that knowledge. So, um, I can make that next person feel confident. Like I felt when it was time to pull the trigger. Well, Kathleen, I want to take you away from the hunting part of it just a little bit. 
but still revolve around your world of a conservation educator. So you do a project and I'm sure the people around you that I correct me if I'm wrong, it's called uh, discover nature field days. Is that correct? Oh, that, that is, that is my okay, so, right now. <laughs> so, so you, you, you actually serve as organ, like, you know, part of the, the process of organizing and mentoring and introducing people that might not be very familiar with the out of doors. So tell me with your participation in the field of fork event, what insight did that give you that you believe will better help you when you are working through these discover nature field days that you put on? Like, can, you know, the perspective from, I guess, your side of it as an educator has now flip-flopped to being like the perspective of a student and, and how is that going to help you moving forward? Well, so, you know, even more making sure that it's holistic, that, that, that was the thing that was so comforting, um, made me feel like I, I could gain the right um, experience and with that then confidence. So um, I, I know we're all stretched in our jobs really thin and we can't just go sit with someone and, and not do the pre-work and the post-work. Um, Cause I don't think it will happen again. The other thing that keeps bouncing around in my head is, you know, I did that again, you know, by myself, it, again, my husband doesn't hunt. We don't have many friends that hunt. We have a, you know, a couple of the guys will hunt, but I've never, you know, asked them if I could join them or anything. Um, but almost I almost feel like, like bring a friend, like bring a significant other should, would almost um, be beneficial. Cause again, now I feel by myself. So I'm trying to figure out how do I make the next step happen? And I want to make it happen, but I want someone to do it with me. And so um, it makes me think that if my program's they had like bring a significant other, be it your son, your daughter, your spouse, your best friend, and you learn this together so that when you go out on your own, you, you have someone standing next to you in, in your, you know, in the same shoes going, okay, how do we do that? Is that, am I doing this right? And, you know, kind of moving the ball forward together. Um, those are the kind of things that are bouncing around in my head right now. Well, that's a good, that's a good answer. So there you go, Nick. I mean, if, if Hank Forrester is listening, you know, maybe the name should change to field to fork plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great idea. And speaking of Hank, he's driving right now up to Michigan for another field to fork event on the back 40. So it never ends. So uh, Kathleen, we can't thank you enough for taking the time out to do this, but even more so taking the time to be a participant in the field to fork program and you're already thinking about how you can pay it forward you've had some great advice and so um thank you we can't thank you enough no it i need to be thanking you as i said to matt there at the end i said i can't even find you know enough words to express uh, what you guys have given me the opportunity so thank you how cool was that mike i gotta say you hear all these stories, these big buck stories, and um, we love them. 
We love to read them. We love to hear about them. We love to tell them. But this was a, a doe hunt, a person's first ever deer hunt through the eyes of someone who had never been there before. And man, I even, even having, even having been there to see the recovery, I, I still got goosebumps hearing her tell the story again. Well, her description was very vivid. So you can tell that she was, she was very present. She was very in the moment and very observant. And, and I, I did stop a couple of times during, you know, during the story to really, to kind of just call everyone's attention to what she was saying and, and how, because I want this to be a learning experience. Yes, it's a deer story and it was a darn good one, but this is technically the mentees or a mentees feedback for the mentoring process and it went very well. And so if people are afraid to get involved in taking someone new out hunting, the, the topics that she brought up are what are going to go through the majority of people's minds. And so to be actually very in tune to that, I think can only make it a easier on the mentor and the mentee, make the process so much better. But I really appreciated to hear how vivid her recollection was because it meant that she was present and she really, this meant a lot to her, that she really took this process seriously and took it to heart. And the outcome I think was just icing on the cake. Just listening to her and seeing her at the event, I, I just thought she'd be a great person for the show to, to deliver the message that she did because she had been thinking about this well in advance. She said her journey was long and she was right. And she thought through all the steps ahead of time and wanted to be prepared and had that anxiety about shooting, which I thought was interesting. Uh, her deep concern for the animal that she was about to shoot at, I thought was just really awesome and a good lesson for all of us. But she, just the range of emotions that she went through and the way she articulated them. When we started the event, I said a few words welcoming everybody. And I said, listen, you all are going to go through uh, a wide range of emotions as part of this. And it's okay to laugh. It's okay to cry. It, all of that is okay. And so, and do it all if, if that's what you're moved to do. And I think that's where Kathleen really was. You know, she, she had those moments and it was just really cool. And it was a real blessing just to be able to, to be there and experience it and to hear her story again. And folks, if you want to hear more about or learn more about our Field to Fork program, please go to our website. Uh, you'll, you'll see it right, right away, Field to Fork. If not, just hit our search, board, search bar, type in Field to Fork. Learn more about this. And if you want to start mentoring a new hunter, if you want to hold a Field to Fork event, it's not something that we necessarily have to be there for. Uh, we can walk you through the steps and get you set up with that. Our man, Hank Forster, leads that program for us. And I'm sure he'd be happy to talk with you. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, Mike, it is almost Christmas. I got to ask you, do you have anything on your wish list in terms of hunting gear? Wow. Yes, I have. Um, I have a pack that I'm, I guess I've stuck with a pack for so long that I've just come to the realization after this hunting season that if it was just a little bit different, a little bit bigger, a little bit more, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for useful in regards to its ability to accept the accessories that I'm currently hunting with right now. It'd be a little bit easier on me. 
So um, that's what I'm looking at right now. That a uh, couple screenshots have been emailed to my wife, you know, <laughs> I've, I've kind of been uh, dropping the hint. So yes, I do have something on my list, but that's really it. I, I'd like a, a specific pack that I think is going to make next season a little bit more enjoyable for me. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I probably should have put that on my list. I have worn out my my pack, my pack from Alps Outdoors. It's been a great pack, but I think I've worn it out. My biggest thing I had was I, I need something to make it easier to break deer down out at my place. As I've mentioned before on the show, I'm in a CWD zone and I can't just load up a deer and drive it home because I don't live in a CWD zone, but I hunt in one. And so I have put on my wish list a uh, a tripod where I can just hang the deer out there, get them skinned and quartered and broken down pretty quickly. And so I'm hopeful that Santa Claus has heard that wish. I, I put a bunch of other stuff on there too, but I was not nearly good enough to expect to get that. So, um, yeah, I think part of the problem for, for guys like us is that we, we don't really save things for lists. Like we get a wild hair about something and we say, Oh, I need to, I need to get this. And assuming it's a reasonable price, we just get it. And so that makes it harder on our, uh, our wives to shop for us, I think. So speaking of after Christmas, then I know for us, we have a new deer season. that starts up a late archery season, a flintlock muzzleloader season starts the day after Christmas uh, some states don't ever quit hunting. You can hunt on Christmas, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, for me, Mike, I, I would like to fill another antlerless tag here in Pennsylvania. I'm still getting a lot of pictures on my cameras. I've got plenty of deer around. Uh, and also, I still have a Delaware buck tag. I just had texted uh, our friend Ron Hawes, who we got to get on this show, by the way, um, and said, hey, I'd like to come out that week, that time between Christmas and New Year's. So that's kind of what my plan is. I got to get the bow out, dust it off, and make sure I'm still able to shoot. Well, I am, I have my list of priorities, obviously, um, because I'm finally off campus and I can, uh, check traps before work. I'm going to start doing some trapping, uh, on the farm that one of the farms that we, we bow hunt. And obviously we have a, a late pheasant season here in Pennsylvania. So Remy's going to put on some miles and I am going to strictly hunt late season to fill one of my doe tags with my recurve. And I, I swear up and down that that thing is unlucky. Um, I put the original limbs back on it. I bought some aftermarket, you know, super curve limbs. And I said, you know what? I've not had any, any luck with this thing. I'm, I've got to try and break that curse and I'm a superstitious person. So that's my goal. That's what I have going on post-Christmas. No, I like it. I, winter time is a great time to hunt. If you're someone that has a winter hunting season and you just sort of have given up and you're like, eh, I don't know. It's not really good in the winter. I don't, I, that's not true at all. I've had some of my best, most exciting hunts in the winter season, killed one of the biggest bucks of my life in the winter in January. So don't give up. It's a great time to be out there and also to tinker with things. I love the idea, Mikey, you trying to break the curse of the recurve. Although I've seen you, I've seen video of you killing a deer with that recurve. So I don't think it's that cursed. Well, no, not that one. That was my original one. This is my oh, second recurve. So okay. ever since, ever since I got this one, I have been skunked. So I am, well, I'm trying to break that curse. Maybe it is cursed then. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I hope you can break the curse. Uh, really with that folks, we hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you enjoyed the first six months of the coffee and beer show. And also our deer season 365 that our man, Brian Grossman does on the opposite weeks of this one. And we've had 
very good listenership. We were looking at some of the numbers with our board of directors last night, and we'll certainly be continuing these into uh, 2022. And so I think this is our 13th episode. So we're pretty proud of that. And we enjoy doing the show and we hope that you enjoy listening. Send us ideas, send us the names of guests that you think would be good for the show. We want to hear your ideas. Uh, also, you're going to be around, hopefully you get a chance to be around friends and family over the holidays. Maybe mention the show to them, get them to subscribe. Uh, also leave us a review that helps us continue to climb the charts. We're actually showing up on some charts now, which is good. And uh, really beyond that, we just, we, we both hope that you get some good hunting gear uh, under the tree this Christmas season, or maybe you're the giver of hunting gear. Maybe you're a mentor that's helping somebody learn hunting like our friend Kathleen, which we appreciate that as well. So with that, folks, have a great holiday season. Look forward to coming back at you after the holidays. National Deer Association, where we are, united for deer. <laughs>